This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Let the experts at Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it when you need great health care coverage at a price you can afford. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. With Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith. Glad to have you with us as we are ready to start preseason football. What a time to be alive, Mike Keith. have to say, this is about as much as I've ever looked forward to a preseason game since my first one in 1998. Yeah, once, you, <laughs> once you've seen one, it seems to go a little downhill. But this is so exciting to have it back. It feels normal. It feels exciting. It feels good to have people getting on the field. And as a Titans fan, there's a lot to watch. There's a lot to watch. I'm sure the Falcons feel the same way. And let's remind everybody that the game kicks off at 6 Central Friday night. Our coverage begins on Titans Radio, all of the Titans Radio partners out there at 5 Central. If you're in the Nashville area, that's 104.5 The Zone, the flagship, but we've got a lot of great stations throughout the region. Titans Countdown on the air, co-hosted by Amy Wells with Rhett Bryan. I'm very, very excited. I was talking to Rhett Bryan about it the other day, actually. I can't believe it's here. I know. I can't believe this is something that it feels like we've anticipated it and talked about it and got really excited about it. And now it's actually happening, and we're so excited for the countdown. So you're the fifth host of Titans Countdown. The fifth. The fifth. So you and Rhett. Rhett is is obviously in the mix. Right. Jonathan Hutton. Yes. That would be three. And before that, it was Larry Stone. Yes. But he was not the first. The first was actually the late, great Joe McConnell. Really? Okay, so the story goes, in 1997, we're playing in Memphis, and Larry Stone is the executive producer of then the Oilers Radio Network. So we're getting ready to do the first preseason game. Let me give you a background on Joe McConnell. Joe McConnell is an all-time great voice. He did five NFL teams. He did Major League Baseball. He did the NBA, and he did Purdue for years. His true love was really Purdue. He passed away just a few years ago, and he was this crusty guy. (laughs) When we started working with him, he was old, even though by today's standards, you would not really consider him an old guy. Right. But he was an old guy even when he wasn't that old. Just in his soul. One thing he did is he would order a glass of milk and a lettuce wedge. That's what he wanted to eat when he would go to O'Charlie's. A glass of milk. But a glass of milk and a lettuce wedge. I mean, who? Odd. But that that was Joe. All right. But Joe had this great voice. And he would, hey, what are you going to do? Everything. I mean, he really talked like that all the time. And then when you heard him on the air, he sounded like the NFL. And that's why Mike McClure, who was really the Oilers official in charge of bringing the team to Middle Tennessee, wanted him because Mike McClure was a big Purdue guy. Ah. And so he's like, hey, let's get Joe McConnell in here. And Joe McConnell sounds like an NFL announcer. So Joe McConnell and Jeff Van Note are our first broadcast team. So Larry had been at the University of North Carolina as the executive producer, and he scripts out an entire pregame, an hour-long pregame show. So they get ready to do the first preseason game for the Tennessee Oilers radio network in 1997. And what Larry doesn't realize is Joe has just always been a play-by-play guy. Oh, That's really all he's ever done. 
Joe's never done a pregame show. Joe's never been a reader. And if you're in the broadcast business, you sometimes know there are people who are readers and they really don't do anything else particularly well. And then there's some people who do other things particularly well, but they don't necessarily read a script particularly well. And there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses. Some people do all things well. Joe was not a reader. Hmm. So we get into the first ever pregame show, and Joe has no clue how to do it. He has no clue how to sort of ad-lib through it, to read through it. He's never done a pregame show. Oh. And I'm listening to this. I'm in Knoxville. I'm the scoreboard host, but I'm positioned in a studio in Knoxville. That's where I was for that whole season. Right. And the pregame's a disaster. And I'm sitting here listening to this, and I'm thinking, golly, what we do on the Vol Network is a lot better than this. I'm like, this guy's not good. Well, then you hear him call the game, and you're like, well, yeah, he is a good announcer. But Larry had to decide after the first preseason game that he had to put himself on the air to do the pregame show. Oh, my goodness. Because Joe couldn't do it. Wow. And that worked out just fine because Larry was a great pregame host for, gosh, 15, 16 years. And so it's Joe McConnell, Larry Stone, Rhett Bryan, Jonathan Hutton, and now Amy Wells. And now me. You're five. First off, that's an awesome story. Mm-hmm. But those are some pretty amazing names to be included that's with. That's pretty good. So I'm I'm very honored. I'm so excited to start. I'm a little butterfly-y. Well, as, I wasn't sure when that was going to kick in. As we like to say to everyone in Titans Radio, don't screw it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no uh, pressure. Yeah, no. Don't and, screw it and up. And that's fine. And the nice thing is, is that <laughs> I'm surrounded by a group of people. The whole Titans radio crew is uh, incredible and just the greatest group of people you could possibly work with. But they'll make sure you know not to mess it up. Yeah, don't mess yeah. it up. Yeah, I've already been told not to drop anything in the toilets, which I've done before. Where did you do that? In Atlanta. The last time that we, the what Titans played in, in Atlanta, toilet? my belt pack. So... I never thought what I'd is a tell belt pack? I never thought I'd tell this story publicly, but here we are. Welcome to the OTP, everybody. So the belt pack, when I am down on the sidelines, I have a wireless microphone that I can talk into. Right. And it's kind of like an antenna. And then I have a pack that's about the size of a Pop Tart. And it goes on the back of my belt typically, or kind of on the back of my jeans is where I put it. And it's attached to the headset so that Ah. I can hear the entire program and I can hear what Philip Noel is saying into my ear and I can hear the whole broadcast talk back with you and everything. So my microphone and my belt pack kind of work in tandem. So I'm getting ready. This was my first year as a sideline reporter. So it's been a minute since we've been to Atlanta. My first year as a sideline reporter. It's a couple games into the season. I get my belt pack. I'm kind of in the groove. Like I'm not just scared out of my mind anymore. Nervous, but like have some confidence. I've got it. I'm getting ready to go down to the field. And I think I need to go to the bathroom before I go down to the sidelines because I've had this problem before where at halftime, there's not a convenient bathroom. It's a whole thing. So I'm like, I need to use the restroom before I head down. I go into the stall and through the process of going to the restroom before I go to the bathroom, thank God, my belt pack, which I had forgotten is on my jeans, falls off and into the toilet. I 
panic to the point where I don't even think about what I'm doing. And I just reach down into the toilet and grab it out. Well, that's probably good. Well, yeah. I mean, I had to get it. But it at no point does it occur to me that I just reached my bare hand into a stadium bathroom stall. Welcome toilet. to Titans Radio. Yeah, yes. and just pulled it out. And I'm thinking, what do I do now? Like... I have to go back to the booth in the middle of the pregame show and tell them what I've done. What did Philip Noel say when you told him this? So here's the thing. So I come back and like the most mousy little like tap, tap, tap on the door because I don't want anyone to know. My biggest fear is they're going to tell you because I'm afraid that you're going to say something that's going to make me laugh and just embarrass me to high heaven. Like that is fear number one is that they tell Mike Keith. I wouldn't have done that. I know you wouldn't have. But at the time I'm like, oh God, this is going to be horrible. I'm never going to live this down. I'm just going to die here right now holding this toilet pack in my hand. So I knock on the door. Brad Willis is like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, it's wet is <laughs> I think what I said. And I'm like, I I I dropped my belt pack in the toilet. I can't believe I you admitted know. that. I, well, I had to. I had well, to. I mean, let you could have just said you dropped it in the sink. <laughs> I had to let him know. And so he's like, he sees that I'm panicked. He's like, okay, this is fine, no problem. Yeah. He grabs another belt pack. <laughs> gives it to me. He's like, this is fine. We're, you're good. Here you go. Here's a backup. Can you hear me? We, if we do the test, it works. <laughs> so he starts like taking it apart. What he doesn't tell me is that after I'm gone, he realizes that he is now dealing with the toilet pack. <laughs> and he's a bit of a germaphobe. Yeah. And so he has to like dismantle it, get it all dried out. After the game, I kind of, uh, I heard about it. And in years since, it comes up pretty consistently that this is a thing I have done. And it's so funny now, but I have never gone to the bathroom after getting my headset ever again. Like, I won't even look at a bathroom now. Like, no chance. But, oh, my gosh. So So when you turned in to the OTP today... (sighs) You sure did expect this, didn't you, OT people? You know what, OT people? I didn't expect to tell this tale today. I didn't anticipate going down this road, but here we are, and now we're returning to the scene of the crime. So let's all just buckle up. We're in this together now. This first place I ever did a game in, I guess it's 23 years ago, was in Atlanta, and it was... Uh, the old stadium. Yeah. It was, yeah, at the at the Georgia Dome. Wow. That's where I did it. There's a picture of me interviewing Les Steckel in the postgame. He was the offensive coordinator. And I would go downstairs and do the postgame interviews because my first year I did color commentary for Joe McConnell. Ah, yes. Yes. The old color guy. Yes. The worst color commentator in the history of <laughs> of radio. It's uh you know, it actually ended up being a great year. I learned a lot from Joe and he he was really good to me and Two announcer broadcasts can work really well. If the two of you get in a rhythm, it's sometimes better than a play-by-play announcer and an analyst who's a former player or former coach. But it's hard to kind of work that because both announcers are used to talking a lot. Yeah. And so you have to find that rhythm. And we really did. 
it it turned out to be a really nice year, and I learned a lot from him, and he and he gave me a lot of room to to be involved. He was a very gracious man, and when they you know when they'd made the decision that he was not coming back because they wanted someone that lived here. Yeah, which makes sense. Well, they did. You know, they wanted someone that lived here, and Joe lived in Indianapolis. And had a great situation because his wife had a fantastic job. So all Joe really had to do is call games, drink milk, eat <laughs> lettuce wedges, and best of all, play golf. Is that not the dream? Play golf and eat, eat a lettuce. He, w- not he was a milk. character. Ugh. They Listen, they used to do things to him. They prank called him all the time in his hotel room. <laughs> and he would fall for it every time because he was this really he was a guy that if you didn't know him you wouldn't he was an acquired taste okay because yeah. he was a gruff individual but if you knew him you loved him dearly like I did like Larry did like all of us did but we could still mess with him right of and, course and would the sign of love yes the, messing the, with someone. the prank calls were just they called it, and he fell for it every time. They would put him, they would put him on fake shows in towns. That's awesome. And everyone would sit in the room, like right across the hall, and listen to this, and he would have no idea. That's fantastic. But he was so, he was such a good guy. Certainly, we'll think about him when we walk into Atlanta and that first preseason game, and just what a good guy he was. Because he didn't have to be nice to me. Yeah. He really didn't. He chose to. Yeah. You know, he chose to do that and that was that was something that I'll always value. And now we see another old friend, Arthur Smith, this week. Absolutely. And that's gonna be weird. It's gonna be weird, but I'm still just so happy for him and while I would like the Tennessee Titans to win this first preseason game, I'm always kind of cheering for him from afar. I wanna see him do well. I wanna see him have success because I think we all have so much respect for Arthur and the way that he did it. Well, the know? same way we're sitting on the OTP two years ago talking about him as the offensive coordinator, and we're discussing him as if he's going to be a big success. And I, I know people who were listening were thinking, Homer's. Homer's. Yeah. Official <laughs> Titans podcast. You've got to say that. But the truth is, we really believed he would be that good because everybody around knew what a great coach he was. And I think he will revitalize Atlanta because I think he will revitalize their offense very quickly. Mm -hmm. And in their division, I think they could finish second this year. I think they might sneak into the playoffs under him. And I know that's going to shock some people, but Matt Ryan's a good quarterback. I like Kyle Pitts. Ridley's a good receiver. He'll shore up the offensive line. He'll have a running game. They went and got Mike Davis from Carolina, and they've got a couple other backs who are – who are pretty good, and they're not bad on defense, and their division. I mean, Tampa's the world champion, I got it, but who knows what New Orleans has, and who really knows what Carolina has? Right, there's a lot of question marks I think it's in the NFC South, it's Tampa and the other three guys. Right. That's kind of what it looks like. So, one of them's going to finish second, one of them's going to finish third, one of them's going to finish fourth. Knowing Arthur and knowing that their quarterback situation is the best of the three other guys – because Matt Ryan's a good player. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He takes a lot of grief, but he's really good player. Yep. You know, if we'd have had Matt Ryan over the last 14 years, I mean, considering some of the quarterbacking, unfortunately, we went through, he he would have – to me, he's 
he's going to benefit the same way that Tannehill has benefited from Arthur. Here's the stat. Under several different guys in his career in Miami, Tannehill had an 87 passer rating, which is okay. For an NFL quarterback, it's like a C-plus in school. Not bad. Yeah. And that's what I always thought Tannehill. I thought, you know, he's he takes a lot of grief, but he's not a bad player. He's right. just on – I always liked him. Under Arthur Smith, his passer rating was 110. So to go from 87 to 110. Incredible. Well, it's some, there's something there. And Arthur, you know, Arthur did a whale of a job with him. Well, and we've seen that Arthur does such a good job of evaluating what he's got and playing to their strengths. He does such a good job of utilizing people in a way that they are doing what they're the best at Mm -hmm. instead of asking them to do something for the sake of a scheme or an idea or a philosophy. He does such a good job of really keying into what is going to make his players successful. Yeah, he doesn't care about his own theory. No. It's not like, well, this is what I do and – he, he says, okay, this is what I've got, and so here's how we're going to do it. Yeah, and he does and he's a been great around, job of He's that. been around a lot of good coaches, too. I mean, starting with the Munchaks, and, and Malarkey had some good theories that he took things from, yep. and, and he was around you know several guys who had different ways of looking at it. I've loved the back and forth between he and Matt LaFleur this week. Have yes. you heard that? I, I've seen bits. It started with Arthur, and, of course, he worked for Matt for a year. And I think there's a real chance that if the Titans hadn't promoted Arthur to offensive coordinator, he would have been Matt's offensive coordinator in Green Bay. Yep. And I think that's sort of borne out by the fact that this week they asked him in a press conference, Arthur, about Matt LaFleur. And he goes, well, he goes, I don't spend an hour before every game looking at myself in the mirror. And it's like, here we go. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) And then Matt came back with something. And then Arthur – I mean. that's who Arthur is, and that's why Arthur got along so well with the fellas is because he, he, can, he can give and take. So, be good to see him. Doesn't sound like he's going to play Matt Ryan in this game. Sounds like we're going to see A.J. McCarron and Felipe Franks. Woohoo! Played at not one, but two Southeastern Conference schools. He did. Florida and Arkansas. Yep. So, we'll see, and we'll see what the Titans are going to do. Have you been surprised that all the national folks – who made their way into town in the last week. You know, it seemed like it kind of happened all at once. All at once. Usually there's a little bit of a trickle of some national people in and out, and some years we have more than others, but this last week it's been like, boom, everybody's here to see the Titans. NFL Network's been here. We've seen all kinds of different analysts coming through. It's been great to see the Titans getting that national attention, you know? I had a chance to catch up with a guy that I really respect, Dan Graziano from ESPN, and I really respect him for a lot of reasons. I think I think he's really good on TV, but he's quite a reporter because he bases what he reports on facts. Everything is researched. He's not Mr. Hot Take. And, and you know, Mr. Hot Take is fine. You can do that. But it's great to see a national guy who still does that. And there are several. You know, and there are several in a variety of sports. But he's a guy that really jumps out to me that I – that I really respect. I had a chance to catch up with him a little bit. And for the OT people, here's my chat with Dan Graziano from ESPN. Dan, the decision to come see the Titans, was it a tough one? No, I, I, I've, this is a camp I've not been to before. 
I like to go to those and, you know, make new friends, see some old ones. And it's, a, you know, I, I was just telling some of these guys, like, I feel like I'm stopping at almost every AFC contender. I, I want to see Buffalo. I want to see Pittsburgh, Cleveland, you know, Indianapolis. So, like, it, it makes sense to try and get a clearer picture of what's going on. But, no, it's a team, obviously, very interesting and, and uh, certainly would expect I could end up at one of their games or more this year. So uh, good to get to know some folks. What are your top questions about the 2021 Tennessee Titans? Well, I, I think after last year, did they do enough on defense that they can get to the quarterback now? Obviously, it was a huge problem last year, and I think that, that probably cost them some games. And it was a focal point, bringing in Bud Dupree and, and, uh, and making some changes on that side of the ball. I think it'll be interesting to see how that comes together. On the offense, I mean, the change of coordinators, I think, is an interesting storyline but keeping it in-house and probably keeping everything basically the same is, is the wise way to go based on how it's gone the last couple of years so yeah I mean it'd be fun to see Julio Jones and AJ Brown on the practice field together but I'm sure that time will come and and uh, as long as they're ready for the games it doesn't much matter about all that were you surprised that the Titans were the team that ended up with Julio Jones I'm trying to remember that stretch. No, seriously, like, because I think they were definitely brought up as a possibility all along. And then it was kind of like, yeah, no, I don't think it was a surprise. I mean, when you look at what they have here, I mean, AJ's such a superstar caliber player. And then they really didn't, with Corey Davis leaving, they really didn't know exactly who else was going to be out. So uh, it made sense, especially for a team like this that's, it's been so close the last couple of years. Like, you, you, you look at teams like that and say, they'll, They'll go get the missing piece guy, right? Like they'll they'll stretch and get the missing piece. I, don't know, I think they made a good deal. I don't think it was an overpay, but no, I don't think I, I think it made a lot of sense all along. Dan, when you watch Derrick Henry work and then you get a chance to visit with him, what jumps out to you about number twenty-two? Well, he, you know he's he's so sort of loud and obnoxious and me first. No, <laughs> I, I'm, I can barely hear what the guy's saying. It's hysterical. No, I mean just the the level of. The, the level of confidence, like the quiet self-confidence that, you know, he knows you know, whatever I'm doing training wise in the off season has worked. I'm going to stick with it. Um, he's obviously a team first guy. I mean, he, he's, he's got to be everything you would want him to be when you, when you make the pick, when you extend the guy, give him the contract, he, he comes out and works even harder. So now a lot to admire about him and, and, and what he's done in his career. And, and obviously like, I mean, watching him, there's nothing, there's no one in the league exactly like him so it's a lot of fun to to meet people like that and talk to them a little bit about what makes them tick but he doesn't he doesn't talk a lot about himself <laughs> a true throwback yeah absolutely I mean you think about you just don't see guys like that I mean they don't they don't make guys like that there's, there's not there's not 10 or 15 of them walking the earth so um, no it's 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 special and uh, obviously now you can see the way they're managing him through camp and how important he is and how important it is for him to be ready for the season. But, you know, what he brings, as you know, I mean, is, is November, December, January, right? Like when other teams are wearing down and he's not, that's when it gets really terrifying. So obviously, you know, huge, huge benefit to them to have a guy like that. Is the number one question that Tennessee or Buffalo or Pittsburgh or Baltimore must answer, can we beat Kansas yeah. City? No, no doubt. I mean, that they're the big bad wolf. They're the, you know, they're the AFC champions two years running and they were this close, you know, the year before. So, yeah, I think they you have to. I mean, I'm sure everybody's got tape of the Super Bowl and trying to figure out. But, you know, they redid the offensive line. So it's not you can't really count on that working again. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I think, you know, Buffalo lost to them 
in the conference championship game and felt like that was a, they played a lousy game. Like the first time in three months, they played a bad game and it happened to be that day. Cleveland lost after Mahomes went out. And I know they definitely felt like they should have won that game. So those are two teams that that have been toe to toe with them. And, you know, this is another one. You go back two years and then the conference championship game. So I think everyone's probably focused on how to take them down, not just in their division, but in the AFC. And uh, while, you know, you recognize that you have to get there and you have to do other things in the meantime, I think that's that, that, that gives everybody the same kind of goal to shoot for as long as they're at the top. Is Tampa Bay, because they are a team that returns all 22 starters, is that the team that's the favorite overall to repeat? Yeah, I think so, because you look at it on paper. Never, I mean, the problem is you don't know who's going to get hurt. And, and they had and, and you don't wish it on anyone. They had very good injury luck last year, and the stats say it's hard to repeat that year over year. So you look at Tampa Bay's roster, and you look at maybe the Saints taking a step back, depending on what happens with the quarterback, and you think, well, they should roll in that division. And then the rest of the NFC, I remember with Aaron Rodgers coming back, I think that throws a little bit of a question mark. The NFC West teams could beat each other up. But, yeah, I think they deserve to be a favorite on paper, even though the numbers tell us I mean, it must have been 17 years since anybody repeated. So, and yes, the quarterback was Tom Brady, but Brady also knows from other experiences that how difficult it is and the number of things that can come up. So you ask me what would prevent Tampa Bay from winning it. I don't know. I just feel like there's always something. I mean, even the Chiefs right at the end last year, right? So, yeah. Who are the teams in Dan Graziano's mind who had the best offseason in the NFL? Oh, all right. You know, the Rams add a couple pieces. I think when you, you add superstar caliber talent like Dupree and Julio Jones here, I think that's probably deserves to be in the mix. I think, uh, you know, the quarterback situation, if Carson Wentz can, can be healthy, then I think that's a big, a big get for Indy, who has, you know, a real strong core and is going to be a difficult team to contend with. Cleveland needed to add on defense. They have a, probably at least seven new starters on that side of the ball, so – Assuming they made the right choices, that that would be a, a good, strong offseason, too. So, at the top of my head, yeah. And then the Chiefs needed to fix the offensive line, and they think they did. So, you'd have to count them as well. Finally, who are the rookies that you want to see most this year? You know, the quarterbacks. I think Trevor Lawrence is almost – He's almost like the forgotten number one pick, right? Because it was it was such a foregone conclusion for so long. Uh, curious to see how that all works, especially with Urban Meyer down there. And I'm interested to see when those other guys play. I, I want to see if Trey Lance can win that job, if Justin Fields can win that job. The coaching staffs in those places are adamant that it won't be the case. But yeah, and then having been to Pittsburgh's camp, a lot of high hopes for Najee Harris. And, and I think he's going to have a big, big role there. And I'm interested to see how he handles that. In fact, I was just talking with, Derek Henry about that and how excited he is to see another Alabama back come in and get that chance. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a guy to keep an eye on for sure. That's Dan Graziano from ESPN, who was in Nashville Monday and Tuesday this past week on the OTP, which is presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. For better coverage, better rates, and better customer service, Farm Bureau Health Plans. They've been providing Tennesseans with the home field advantage for almost 75 years. All right, Titans and the Falcons. Give me a Titan you really are interested to see in a game situation. Racy McMath. Really? He's someone who has shown up in camp. We've seen these flashes. We've heard coaches talk about him. We've heard players talk about him. 
I'm anxious to see what he's able to do against an unfamiliar defense. I'm anxious to see what he's able to do when he's given some of these opportunities to really show up. Do I think it will be on special teams? Do I think it's going to be as a receiver? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm excited to see what he kind of looks like when you get him in pads on a field in a real game situation. Ola Adaini. Outside linebacker number 92 keeps showing up in practice. It's like every day he would have had a sack. And you're just like, is this for real? You know, the amazing thing about Ola Daney is he is still, even though I think this is year four in the league, Mm -hmm. Ola Daney is still one of the youngest Titans. It's crazy. It is crazy. But, uh, you know, he came to this country from Nigeria, started school early, skipped grades. I think he graduated high school when he was like 16. He's really, really smart. But he's a tough guy, brought in to play special teams. I want to see him rush the passer. Mm. I'm interested to see that. Give me another Titan you're interested to see against the Falcons on Friday night. Mm. I have another one. Yeah, give me yours first. Tucker McCann. Tucker McCann's a good one. I want to see the kicker. I want to see the whole kicker thing. I'm really interested in how that's going to play out because Tucker McCann against Sam Ficken, do one of those guys do well enough to start to separate from the other and give the Titans some confidence, or do they have to keep looking? Can I say a group? Sure. I'm interested in seeing – The Beatles? Yes, the okay, Beatles. Sorry. I'm interested in uh, – they're going to be there. Earth, wind, and fire? I, I heard they're living in the stadium. I'm interested to see the running backs. Okay. And who's kind of taking what reps and who's getting a lot of work and where we're playing certain guys. And, I mean, there's so many different options in that room right now. I'm interested to see how guys are utilized and who really shows up and shows out. So the guy in that group that I'm most interested to see is Makai Sargent. Mm-hmm. He's the rookie undrafted out of Iowa. He's 5'8", 208. I mean, he's a little bowling ball. And he's looked really sharp in practice, and I think he's caught some people's eyes. And you're wondering, I mean, in this situation, does he take it even a step further? You know, it's a weird situation. He's from Key West. What I don't fo- think I realized that. What football players from Key West? Do they even have football in well, Key West? Well, and that's what he said. He, so he went to a camp at the University of Florida. He was a sophomore. And he met a JUCO coach. Well, he's not recruited by anybody. He was a no-star. And and the reason is because he's in Key West probably more than anything else. Nobody can get to nobody you. Nobody can get to you. Nobody can see you. And so the coach at Iowa Western says, come play for us. So he redshirts. And then he plays a second year at Iowa Western, a JUCO. And he makes junior college All-American. Well, then he's trying to figure out, okay, I mean, you're junior college All-American. You're going to go somewhere, right? Well, I mean, he can't sort of find a place to go. And he ends up, Kirk Ferentz has to step in at the end and takes him at Iowa. And it's just at the, at the end of a long period of time. And he was really productive for them. Now, he split carries last year, so he didn't have great stats. He's an interesting player. Now, I'm not saying he'll beat out Darrington Evans. I think Darrington Evans is going to be on this football team. But I think the whole third back thing is still there. Right. So I'm talking about Makai Sargent because he's new, and we're talking about Brian Hill because he's a former Falcon and he's played in the league. He had nearly 500 yards. And then we forget Jeremy McNichols. That's what I was going to say. Jeremy McNichols played in every game last year. And yet he's kind of falling 
not falling to the wayside, but he's just a name that's not at the forefront He's right not now being mentioned got, in the conversation. But yeah. Somebody's going to ha- probably, in the end, going to have to beat him out because he's not going to go away. No. This guy likes football to the point where he said, I can stay in this league if I learn to be a pass protector. Yep. And he did an unreal job as a pass protector last year. Handled the ball some, did fine when he got a chance to handle the ball. Maybe not the most spectacular thing he does. But overall, you're saying, this guy's a good player. Play teams, do whatever he has to do. So, yeah, I think that's a great point by you. I think the running back thing's going to be a really good battle. I think it's just going to be fun to watch. It's going to be interesting. But, shoot, there's places at every single position group. There are battles. There are guys like to watch. punt returner. I know, right? I mean, it's every single place on the field there's something to look at. Yeah. I think you're right. It's going to be a fun game. All right, so remember, Amy Wells and Rhett Bryan on Titans Radio, 5 o'clock Central Time, Titans Countdown. <laughs> Go to TennesseeTitans.com. It's got a listing of all the stations in the Nashville area, 104.5 The Zone, which is our flagship. Kickoff at 6 Central. Correct. Well, thank you. And then Mike Keith takes over. That's when I take over. Takes us in. Well, actually, it's when Dave McGinnis takes over. That's true. Mike's just there. I'm holding the. It's really. I'm Coach holding Mac's the bag show. for him. Would you like a? <laughs> would you like a seven iron, sir? <laughs> it's Coach Mac. It's show. Coach Mac's show, and we all and trust me, we all know it. So, for the lady that we hope doesn't drop her cordless pack in the toilet. Oh, everything's Wells, going in the toilet. Don't this say. Week. Don't say. Everything's that. Don't, going. Don't in. even say that. Everybody in the pool. Don't say that. <laughs> for Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith. Thank you for joining us for the O T. Welcome to the big show where the legends go. Everybody knows it's our house. Fighting for Tennessee, making history. Greatness is meant to be ours now. Hey, we got Titan blood running through our veins.